Chapter 8 The Journey Back into the Marriage Today, I am madly in love with my wife. I choose every day to love her better than the day before. I don't depend on her to meet my needs or to make me happy. I rely on God to meet my needs, and I function off of His joy, something that trumps happiness. My wife is my best friend and closest advisor. I no longer require the company of another woman, and it has been many years since I last had contact with the other woman or had even thought or felt like I wanted out of the marriage. In spite of this, however, my journey back into the marriage was a slow, painful, difficult, but deliberate process. I did not wake up the next day with a divine epiphany about the importance of my marriage. I begrudgingly came to that realization. If this offends you or dampens your grandiose expectations about how your spouse should return, good. (laughs) It should. My goal is to be honest with you so that you don't set yourself up for failure because of unmet expectations. Choosing to end my emotional affair was the most painful process that I had to make during this season. Disassociating myself from the very person who I was using to fill my voids felt like losing a part of myself. For your reluctant spouse, their separation from the thing or person that they are using to fill their voids will be the same. Expect it. If they have made a conscious decision to love you again, rejoice in that. Don't let the lack of feeling loved distract you from your end objective. Among the hundreds of questions that I received, I did get a few that asked me about the process of returning back to my marriage. The rest of this chapter will be delegated to answering four of those questions. Because my route may differ greatly from that of your reluctant spouse, I will focus more on the mindsets that I had opposed to the actual steps that I took unless that information is deemed useful and appropriate for your situation. Question. Are you willing to go back to the beginning and start there? Answer. This is such a poetic question that on the surface is easier said than done. I remember my wife requesting that we simply start over. I couldn't wrap my mind around the notion and as a result rejected her request. Instead, I offered to start from where I was in the moment and to simply take it one day at a time. It wasn't that she was asking the wrong question. It was that she was asking the right question, but in the wrong way. When a reluctant spouse hears the phrase, let's start over, it's like restarting the hardest level of Super Mario Brothers, for all those who remember. (laughs) In the moment, they won't be interested in ignoring all of their accumulated knowledge about you and the relationship so that they can attempt to interact with you as if they just met you. To reluctant spouses, this is absurd and illogical. I remember my wife trying this process and it lasted for about five minutes (laughs) before I grew bored of her asking questions about me that she already knew the answers to. To me, starting over also meant that I would have to act as if where we were was of no consequence. That just by simply clicking the restart button, we could go back to the beginning of our relationship and somehow conjure up all of the positive feelings that were associated with that time in our relationship. As I recently mentioned, to reluctant spouses, this is illogical. To avoid this from happening to you, it would be within your best interest to ask the right question the right way. What you can do to help them. 
My wife asking me this did not serve as a major deterrent for me intentionally coming back into the marriage. But it did demonstrate to me that her understanding my heart would still be a long while away. Here's what you can do instead. It is often the easiest questions that go unasked. Here are some questions to ask them. Where are you now? Where's your heart and your head at this point? Spend time listening to your spouse's ambivalence and validate it. Demonstrate understanding from their position without looking to control the outcome. If they mention that they are scared or that they have doubts, explore them. Don't tell them to simply give them to God without modeling that behavior first. Start from where they are. Plant seeds in the existing soil and be intentional about cultivating that soil. Let God do the rest. Remain consistent during the season. Remember not to let your guard down by going back to old patterns of thinking, feeling, and behaving. Demonstrate the growth and changes that you personally made during their reluctant season. Don't stop just because they have come back. Remember, consistency is key. Question. Are you willing to work hard on the issues that you had from the brokenness of your past? Answer. Now, before I answer this question, I would like to add one clause. Not every reluctant spouse who makes the deliberate decision to return to the marriage will be ready to work hard on the core issues that caused them to be reluctant in the first place. I need you to remember that. If you expect this prematurely or without having a proper understanding of where they are, you run the risk of causing more damage than good to the reconciliation process. Just like your physical body heals at the speed of its current health, your reluctant spouse will heal at the speed of their spiritual and emotional health. Remembering this is key to keeping you from being disappointed if and when relapse happens. Oh, and speaking of relapse, this is a normal part of the growth process. Just like a baby will resort to crawling after they just learned to walk, remember this statement, your reluctant spouse will at times go back to using even if it's just for a limited time, they'll go back to using those feelings and behaviors that they are most comfortable with. For me, I was willing to work hard on the issues that I had from my broken past because I knew at my core, at least, that they were the very things that drove me to want out of my marriage in the first place. I didn't start on this level of awareness, though. That came with a lot of time and tears. If your reluctant spouse is self-aware to at least this level, they will be willing to do the same. If they are not, don't fret. There are a few techniques that you can incorporate in order to make this transition easier. What you can do to help them. If your reluctant spouse lacks emotional intelligence, it is not the end of the world. That just means that it will take them slightly longer than you may want for them to embark on the healing process. You can't make them heal. You can only help them heal. Here are a few strategies to keep in mind during this process. I can't reiterate this point enough. Be the change that you want to see. Your ability to model these behaviors is highly important. Also, make sure to acknowledge any growth that you see, even if the growth is in baby steps. Let them heal at their own pace and be there to encourage them at every step. If slash when they stumble, because they will, <laughs> expect it 
and don't penalize them for not healing in a perfect manner. Lose your desire to create expectations for what the healing process should look like. Keep your eyes on God and what he has said about your marriage, not on what or where your spouse is currently at. Encourage them to continue the healing process, but don't burden them with heavy and lofty mandates that will cause them to feel pressured. In your times of emotional weakness or burnout, remain steadfast and in God's face. Question. When you made the decision to be committed to your marriage, what did you do to help you remain faithful? Answer. This was one of the most popular questions in this category. My answer is for all of the spouses dealing with a reluctant spouse who has committed infidelity. I wish that I could make my answer sound more complex than it really is, but nonetheless, here it is. I simply made the decision to love my wife with no conditions. This may sound basic, but allow me to go deeper into my thought process. I often share with people that we work with that when you get married, you don't really marry to love the other person unconditionally. You marry to get your personal and often subconscious needs met. You may not be aware of it, but you have done the same thing as well. A simple way to determine if this is true for you is to answer the following questions. Why did I get married? And to keep asking, why is that so important to me? To every answer that you give until you can't answer that question anymore. If you are honest, you will end up with a statement that is more about how your spouse makes you feel opposed to what you can give to the relationship. My answer was this. My wife makes me feel secure as a man, allows me to be myself, and has all of the traits that I want in a wife. Now that doesn't sound harmful, but if you think about it, it is all about me and my needs. As long as she met my needs, I was content. The moment she didn't meet those needs, which, by the way, is not her job to begin with, I had to find something or someone else to meet those needs. This is not unconditional love. I had to learn to go to God for my unmet needs. I had to sever my reliance on her to fill those voids, and I had to make the deliberate decision to love her for all of the right reasons and with no conditions. I had to understand that love was not about how I felt, but rather about what I can give. In order for your spouse to remain faithful, they will need to understand the same thing. Helping them get there is not an easy task, but there are things that you can do to help facilitate this process. What you can do to help them. Unconditional love is a lost art nowadays. In order for your spouse to be exposed to the principles of unconditional love, they will need to see a model. Someone who could probably demonstrate what loving unconditionally looks like. Often, you are their only option. Do you have what it takes to fit the bill? If not, <laughs> here are a few strategies for you to incorporate. Connect yourself to the unfailing and always full source of love. That's God. Study love. Actually study what true agape love looks like instead of just going off of what you were taught. And I mentioned this above. Read the first four books of the New Testament and the Bible to get a real good picture of how Jesus demonstrated unconditional love. Stop relying on your spouse to make you feel loved or to make you happy. You may not like this, but I promise that this is one of the most important concepts to hide in your heart. Remember that love is a choice. 
not a mutual transaction. It's not 50-50. You choose to give love no matter what you are receiving in return. If you love your spouse only when you are being loved back, your love is only as strong as what you've been given. Most marriages fail because of their expectations, especially about love. Make sure that you have the proper expectations about love. Lastly, you have to be transformed into the image of Christ. Literally, see how he loved with no conditions to get an accurate picture of agape love. Question, what are you doing to conclude this season so that you can move forward? Answer, as I mentioned before, moving forward for me was a very difficult and painful process mainly because that meant I would have to disconnect from a relationship that was meeting a previously unmet need. Also, moving forward meant that I would have to somehow find a way to fix the damage to my marriage and to my wife that I had caused. Despite these assumed obstacles, once I decided to be back into the marriage, I faced them all head on. In answering this question, I will share with you things I did which will be things your reluctant spouse would need to do in order to get closure from this season so that they can move forward with rebuilding the marriage. Remember that your reluctant spouse will heal at the speed of their spiritual and emotional health. So for some, this process will be quick, whereas for others, it may take them a little longer to get to this point. Here are some of the major things that I did. I had to admit to myself that I had a whole host of voids that was fueling my dissatisfaction with my wife and my marriage. I had to acknowledge that I was using the relationship with the other woman to fill those voids. I had to literally repent before God and my wife, meaning I had to turn around from the direction that I was headed and go back. I had to be honest with myself by embracing the darkness, embracing the pain and the confusion of my soul. Most men don't like to admit that they are weak in certain areas. I had to expose my weaknesses. I had to become comfortable with relying on God to fill those voids. And I had to consistently keep this in mind. I cut off all contact with the other woman completely. I had to submit myself to my wife so that she could rebuild her trust in me. I made sure to take divorce off of the table. What that meant was that I was in the marriage for life, no matter how bad it got. Lastly, and I'll say this is optional but highly beneficial, I leveraged my mistakes into testimonies that could be shared with others who are in the same position that I was in. For me, moving forward was not an overnight feat, but a gradual and steady process. As long as your reluctant spouse sticks to the process, they will be able to fully be restored to the marriage. How you position yourself will determine their success rate and the speed of healing that takes place during the season, which you can do to help them. It is not your responsibility to make sure that your reluctant spouse is taking the necessary steps towards receiving closure to their current condition. Your only job is to be the helpmeet that your position requires you to be. Here are a few strategies that you can incorporate so that you can add value to this process. Resist the urge to direct or dictate change in your spouse. Rather, be there to support, be there to love, and nurture them appropriately. Never lose sight of the principle of agape love, which means to give all unconditionally. 
The moment you make loving your spouse all about getting love in return, you miss the mark of what it truly means to love unconditionally. Be a listening ear as they open up to you. Acknowledge their heart and protect their vulnerability. Don't exploit their confessions, throw them back in their face, or punish them for their admissions. Embrace the truth. Lastly, make sure that you too are growing in friendship. Restore to them the privilege of having emotional influence in your life and together seek to grow in a deeper knowledge of what it takes to secure a healthy marriage. A heart restored. Understand that if God can heal my heart, he can do the same for the heart of your reluctant spouse, whether they are cold or just lost. Understand that the work you put in during the season of your marriage is not in vain. I am living proof of the fruit that comes from the seeds of intercession that my wife invested while I was off being reluctant. This stuff really works. I hope that this book answered the many questions of your heart. My desire with sharing this information with you is to equip you with the necessary tools and strategies that will help expedite your standing journey. I may not have answered all of your questions, or this book may have sparked new questions. If so, I would love to hear from you. You can email me directly at david at com, or join me in the private Facebook group. And again, this link is in the book, the ebook. And so make sure to uh, see page 78 of your ebook in order to get that information regarding the link to the private Facebook group. Now, next, I have two additional chapters. One is a bonus chapter and the other one is one that I think you'll find really helpful. Um, the next chapter focuses on standing for a cold, reluctant spouse. So let's explore that next. <music> 